We're going to be talking Jefferson City politics and dysfunction with the Missouri Times' Caitlin Skullhorn on this week's Renew Guru. Hello out there in podcast world. This is the new guru, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director James Owen, coming to you live on tape from my undisclosed location here in snowy Columbia. Also coming from his undisclosed uh, snowy location in Columbia is Philip Rasika, producer on the boards. Hey, Philip. Hey, good morning. How are you uh, doing in the blizzard? Oh, is it a blizzard? I think that's actually like a technical designation. I think it's just a lot of snow. Um, But yes, we're doing fine. We haven't resorted to uh, cannibalization yet, so we're good. Hopefully you haven't either. Yeah, we've had power, so, you know, that's great to see. It's always good to have safe, reliable service, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, indeed, especially when some of it's brought to us by renewable energy. Oh, good plug. Good plug. Um, Folks, uh, this week, uh, we're not going to necessarily be talking about energy policy or politics. We're going to be just talking about policy and politics. And, um, you know, one of the things I mention whenever I send out a legislative alert or a legislative update about some of the energy related things that we're talking about is sometimes I say, we don't know if this legislation is going to get through. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if any legislation is going to get through this year. And a lot of people might wonder, like, why is that? What what is what is what is going on in Jefferson City? And to help answer that question, um, I have as our guest this week uh, a, a woman who's the editor of the Missouri Times, which is a great uh, online uh, source for uh, news uh, about Missouri politics and about news in Jefferson City. And I think I already already pronounced her name wrong uh, when I introduced this. Um, it's Caitlin Shawhorn. Did I do it right this time, Caitlin? You did. Second time's the charm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I still I still have employees that I cannot pronounce their names correctly. So sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's a doozy. <laughs> it is. Well, you are uh, you are the editor of the Missouri Times. Uh, That's true. Jefferson City. You've had that job for a couple of years now, I think. Yeah. Um. I moved to Missouri uh, about three years ago, I think, mm. and pretty quickly um, took over as the editor of the Missouri Times, and it's been a dream job, and I've loved it, and I am loving the snow in Jefferson City today. Oh, you are. You're from, like, north. You're, like, from the north. My family's from Michigan, so yeah. um, I love the snow. My father moved to South Carolina, so he, mm. you know, does not love the snow anymore, but he likes the ice there if it if it's cold enough. Right? <laughs> I think he just wants the sun and the palm trees oh. and uh, fried chicken, and that's it. Uh, that that sounds like all the things that are good about <laughs> South Carolina. Um, uh, so that's why you're a Michigan fan. I, I follow you on mm-hmm. Twitter, and you talk a lot about Michigan. And I, I know breaking I news for your clearly this is breaking news for your podcast listeners <laughs> that they they really truly want to want to know. But Harbaugh's coming back, <laughs> so hey. I'm happy. <laughs> Well, what, well, so I actually should plug your Twitter. Uh, what's what? What is your Twitter handle if you want people following that? Um, it is K underscore uh, Shalhorn, which is S C H A L L H O R N. Glad you spelled that. I was going to ask you to spell <laughs> that. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Michigan fan. Uh, I think you also say in your bio you used to work at Fox News. What did you do for them? I did. Um, before I moved here, I worked for FoxNews.com in New York. Um, so the digital side, not the. Yeah 
not the uh, channel. Um, yeah. I basically was Wikipedia for politics. And so if, you know, the president would tweet something like maybe about DACA or something like that, mm-hmm. then I would do an article on what is DACA and oh, okay. try to truly explain it from a, a fair, um, yeah. unbiased place. Uh, it was, it was just a lot of explaining, a lot of looking at like what our readers had questions about, what people were Googling and, and trying to trying to answer their questions. So you were <laughs> so when you were there, you were trying to interpret President Trump's tweets. Is that what you were doing? Yes, I, I had to get his <laughs> tweets um, sent to my phone. And uh, when I moved here, I no longer did. And that's when he still had Twitter. And um, I, it was definitely Stockholm syndrome. I was, you know, awake (laughs) in the middle of the night. Like, what is he tweeting? Um, Uh, So you would have to, you would have to explain why he was upset about like ratings or Bette Midler or (laughs) what you had to do. I tried to stick to more like actual news and policy, but um, there were times, there were times. Because he would get on some interesting tangents. Of course, of course. And now yeah. um, still being a reporter, I get his emails, his press releases, which are just right. his tweets in an email form. Yes. Um, so it, it doesn't end. It'll never end. <laughs> it's never going to end, I don't think. But now you are in the uh, relatively uh, <laughs> normal world of Missouri politics. Sure. We, we uh, Some people sure. can call it that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you got here three years ago, that means that you got here, did you get here in 2019 or 2018? When did yeah, you get- I got here halfway through the 2019 legislative mm-hmm. session. So okay. um, I got here around this legislative spring break of that session. Yeah. Um, and basically, you know, just was pointed to the Capitol and said, there you go. <laughs> go, go talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you're in Jefferson City, which is where our capital is. Um, you know, this is kind of a refresher for folks. Um, our our legislature is, uh, you know, it's bicameral. It's got 163 members of the House, 34 members of the Senate. Uh, there is a veto proof majority of senators. There's 24 senators uh, in the Republican Party versus 10 senators in the Democratic Party. The House does not no longer has a veto-proof majority because they've had some vacancies. So I'm trying to remember, like, if they're like 107 or 108 Republicans, but there's only like 46, 47 Democrats. Still, uh, pretty healthy margins for the Republican Party in the legislature. Um, am I close on those numbers, Caitlin? I think so. Um, you're better at numbers than I am. So okay. <laughs> I always have to look it up. Yeah. But there are and, there are quite a few vacancies in the in the house that would yeah. generally be Republican seats. So it's it's kind of um, it, those vacancies cut into their supermajority a little bit. Yeah, because I was gonna say like the, the the vacancies I'm aware of are probably like what you would call safe seats. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, but then you also have in the um, <clears throat> governor's office, you have Governor Mike Parson, who is you know, I, I think we were kind of talking about this off mic while his his history was he was elected as lieutenant governor in 2016, ascended to the governor's office in 2018 when Eric Greitens resigned, was reelected by, I, no, not reelected, I guess elected to governor by pretty healthy margin in 2020. He was able to keep that um, position and he will not be up for um, reelection because of the timing of when he ascended to the governor's race. So you have Republican governor, uh, Republican House of Representatives, and a Republican Senate. And yet, it seems they can't, they still have trouble with, with each other. 
Um, and so I guess, Caitlin, I guess, you know, if you were to have to describe what is going on there in that building with those different branches of government, I mean, what would you tell people? What, what, what do you say, like, is going on when you try to explain Jefferson City right now? So I chuckled when you said um, a healthy Republican majority, especially in the Senate, because honestly, it's, it's the Senate. That's where, you know, the focus should be. And that's where, honestly, a lot of the, the I don't know if problems is the right word, but a lot of the drama and fireworks has been over the last almost year at this point. Um, yeah. You do have a Republican majority in the Senate, but within the Republican Party, there are different factions. There's the conservative right. caucus, which yep. is made up of about seven, I think, at this point, people. There's, I think seven is, is a good number. And then depending on the issue, you can kind of add a little bit more people to their group. Um, but they do but, meet and talk with each other. I mean, there's kind of yeah. a formality to that, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they're not happy with the Republican Party. They're not happy with leadership in the Republican leadership in the Senate. They're uh, apparently not happy with Mike Carson either. Um, as we saw this week with the, yeah. the refusing to confirm his pick to be Missouri's health director. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're causing a little, little bit of some roadblocks here right off the bat this year. Right. Now, I mean, the thing is, because, uh, you know, because I think it might be a hard concept. We have a lot of, I think you would be safe to say a lot of our supporters who listen to this are somewhat more on the left mm-hmm. um, of the average voter in Missouri. Um, and so I think it's hard for them to think about like, well, aren't all Republicans in Jefferson City in the Senate conservative? Why do they have to have a conservative caucus? <laughs> um, I mean, that's a fantastic question. I think yeah. <laughs> most of most, if not all of the Republicans in in Jefferson City, including in the Senate, would would say that about themselves. Yeah. Um, I, what kind of distinguishes the conservative caucus, I think, would be that they are more of your your hardline right leaning people. Um, and all of the Republicans, I think, in Jefferson City would be pro life, but they say that they're even more pro-life right. um they're definitely against charter school or they're definitely for charter schools i'm sorry mm. um they you know whatever you see in dc as being like the popular position that trump is taking or that some of your like hardline republicans in, in washington dc are taking i would say that would be your conservative caucus whereas yeah. the rest of the republican party you know in the senate especially might be you know pretty, pretty uh, supportive of public schools or mm-hmm. uh, I guess this week, pretty supportive of the governor's pick to be the health director who yeah. you know, seemed to be a controversial pick because he said he supported the COVID-19 vaccine um, among mm. other things, but that's yeah. kind of just the, the short version of that. But yeah, you know, well, I mean, I, when I try to explain to people, because we, we work with a lot of clean energy groups and uh, businesses who are looking to, you know, find a place here in Missouri to work or to see their, you know, see their efforts grow here. And, I, you know, I tend to look at like the majority, like those four, uh, you know, those like, you know, those kind of non-conservative caucus Republicans is kind of like they're they're kind of they're kind of within they see themselves as within the system. They see themselves as wanting to, you know, wanting to like get things done, 
you know, they might have a conservative lean. They have, obviously have a conservative lean to them, but they're, you know, kind of, they kind of negotiate and they work through things. And these six to seven other senators tend to be more rigid and they don't trust the system. They don't want to work within the system. I'm not sure if that's a really, it's not a clean way of describing it, but it feels close to me. That, that seems fair. Um, I think everyone has their principles that they stick to. Um, yeah. I just think you see the conservative caucus really, um, really, you know, being adamant about what they believe in, and you know, mm-hmm. and stick. I guess sticking up for that. I, I don't know what the right, yeah, <laughs> the right terminology I mean, is at the moment, but they're really uh, adamant about what they believe. Yeah, because I mean, I you know, I would say it's kind of a kind of a, a pause here for people listening. I mean, one of the members of the conservative caucus, I think, is is I think we all everyone's kind of an agreement that Eric Burleson, Senator Eric Burleson from uh, Battlefield, which is um, uh, Christian County and Green County outside of Springfield, is in this conservative caucus. But he is very pro renewable energy. He's filed a number of legislation that we have supported, we like, and we like, and we have gone and, and gone to bat for some of that legislation. So, I mean, Eric Burleson is, you know, someone we consider good on our issues, but is also kind of, you know, in this group that is, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, you want to say maybe dogmatic, maybe more ideal, ideological. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that, that, I mean, I think that's a fair, a fair assessment. Um, but I guess maybe mm-hmm. that's good that he is so good on, on the issues that you guys support because yeah. he's definitely going to stand up for it. He's definitely going to fight for it. He does. Um, yeah. So that's, that's good for you. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and it, so it's kind of funny because I hear people like, you know, people will complain to me about our, our supporting his legislation. Like, well, how can you do this? Like he's so, He's like, so he's so radical and everything else. I'm like, yeah, what he's, but he really is good on these issues. Like, what do you want me? Like, what are you expecting <laughs> us to do? Like have like a, a litmus test on this stuff? I, 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 I don't, I like him. I think he's a good guy and I think he's good on these issues and I don't care who yeah, knows. I, I think that's something that, um, that I try to tell people to, who either aren't, aren't from Missouri or maybe, are but aren't really involved in the political system it's just that um i have met so many people since since moving here and reporting on the legislature that maybe i personally don't agree with and i i choose not to tell people you know what my political leanings are because i really do want to to be a fair reporter Mm -hmm. Um, right i I do try (laughs) to be that and i know reporters in the last especially couple of years have gotten a really bad rap with people but you're the enemy. I, I know, I know, enemy of the people. Um, but I truly try to be a, a good person and a good reporter and, and really just try to bring what's happening in the Capitol to people and to light. Yeah. Um, but I have met so many people who maybe I personally would not agree with politically and, and wouldn't let them know, but they are just kind people. And I, I even I would even say that there are so many people within the conservative caucus who, you know, maybe they're getting a bad rap lately as well but they're they're nice human beings and i i try to you know make that a point make it a point to remember that it's not just you know politics these are actual people yeah yeah right because i because i I find um excuse me i used to be a political hack (laughs) i'll just admit i used to i used to like work in politics i've run for office um i worked for governor nixon when i first moved to jefferson city and 
Uh, you know, now I'm kind of in a more non, I mean, I'm more, I'm in a nonpartisan role. I'm in a nonprofit role. We don't consider politics when we, we talk here. And I mean, I've found that, you know, one of the things I've tried to do with this group is try to say, you know, renewable energy, clean energy has a lot of conservative virtue to it, has a lot of things that conservatives can appreciate. There's an argument to be made that conservatives should embrace uh, some of these concepts. And I just kind of go in there with that. I mean, I think it's ultimately made me kind of <clears throat> boring or maybe frustrating to talk to you about politics in general, because I tend to um, just look at it as a process and I don't talk about it like, you know, with much opinion anymore. I just have to look at it like I have this job to do. I know what I want to tell people. I know what I think they can get behind. And I don't think about the, um, you know, kind of the, you know, stuff outside of that. Yeah, I am probably gonna say the wrong thing here. So this is gonna be fun later. Um, my, <laughs> my, my boyfriend is, is very open about his political beliefs. And he's very, um, he's pretty left leaning. Hmm. And uh, he gets so frustrated sometimes when we when we talk or when he hears me talk, because he's like, No, like, that's, that's not what I believe. And, and, you know, you should maybe put your opinion in it more, you should say this. And I'm like, well, I just want to be fair to everybody and it's so frustrating with me sometimes. Um, but it's, should, it's should we have people go to his Twitter account and tell him? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't, uh, he has <laughs> been in California for the last year. So oh, that's really what happened. tweet about Missouri anymore, but uh, <laughs> sure. If <laughs> you want more tweets about Michigan football and Los Angeles, then yes. All uh, right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but I think it, yeah, I do think that if you work in that building in any capacity where you're not partisan, you you tend to, there's like a, in my way, I've kind of like developed like this, you know, the shield in my brain. Yeah. A little bit. Um, I just don't think about it the way I used to. Yeah. Which is good, I yeah. think. I, 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 I'm happy with my yeah. middle of the road. I can argue both sides. Uh, yeah. Statements, but. I mean, but- yeah. So, I mean, and I also should mention, I, I talk about Eric Burleson a lot and being good on this stuff. I mean, Senator Bob Onder, who's also part of this mm-hmm. um, group, also sponsored a bill to exempt uh, solar uh, solar uh, generation from sales tax, which we also were big fans of that bill a couple of years ago. So, yeah, it's 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 not exactly um, black and white, open and shut, you know, down the line. It's it's more complicated. Yeah, I think people give it credit for. You mentioned taxes. I think that's another good um, delineation between the conservative caucus and maybe some of the other Republicans. The conservative caucus yeah. is very against taxes and raising taxes. Um, very unhappy about the gas tax increase that yeah. passed last year. But, but I mean, Republicans are generally, I mean, they have been for, you know, close to 40 some odd years, maybe longer than that, depending on which Republicans you're looking to have been typically anti-tax. They've made yeah. a big issue. They've signed pledges saying no new taxes. And I mean, like, that's not, that's not unusual. No, I just think that they're more, um, I'd say stick more to that. Whereas yeah. maybe some of the other Republicans will be like, well, we're really against raising taxes, but maybe in this one case, it'll be yeah. okay. Our yeah. roads it's crumbling. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. We, yeah. We, uh, we need some help with our infrastructure. Let's raise the gas tax a little bit. So we're not no longer last in the nation. And yeah, that's, that's still a year later, a topic that's being brought up in the Capitol building. 
I just read a tweet about it this morning from a state rep about the it, gas tax. Uh, it, yeah, uh, there are some efforts right now to repeal it, um, repeal yeah. the gas tax increase. And it, it even came up during uh, gubernatorial appointments this week. Um, it had, yeah. The appointee had nothing to do with, uh, well, she chaired the transportation committee in the house last year, but mm. her appoint, like her position that she was being appointed to the children's division had nothing to do with, uh, Oh yeah. Our office of child advocate, I think had nothing to do with gas yeah. tax increases, but it still got brought up. So, um, yeah. I, you know, this gas tax, uh, I feel like is not going away ever. No, I, I feel like there's a lot of issues that never go away in nope. that building. Mm-mm. Don't get me started on gray belt express. Um, so, but so you, we've mentioned this appointment process a little bit. I want to kind of get into this a little bit to kind of, as an example of the um, gridlock in that sure. building. Okay, so earlier this week, I mean, we are kind of on, we are in the week of uh, January 31st. It's a short week because the House and Senate canceled Wednesday and Thursday sessions because of the snow that did show up. Uh, it but did. Early, it did. Amazing. Lots of snow. Yeah, we, yeah, I think it's still falling. Um, there was a appointment. Okay, so, and I can't remember this guy's name, but he was, he was uh, the Department of Health and Senior Services uh, is a big agency in, in Missouri. They, they, they kind of administer a lot of federal money and they work on health and senior service issues. They deal with, you know, vaccinations, COVID, stuff like that. The guy who was the acting director, Don something. What's Don's last Don, name? Don uh, Cariff. Cariff. Okay. I knew it was, I was going to say like Kerfluff or something like that. I knew that. That's was also a hard last name. So like, yeah. I and mean, I had that in common. I'm glad he's not on the podcast this week. Um, <laughs> so he was, I mean, like, so I don't know anything about him. I know he replaced Randall Williams, who was a relatively controversial guy in that office that left last year. He had been appointed by Eric Greitens, the previous governor. And this guy came in, he had worked in Illinois I kind of thought he was generally seen as kind of a, you know, competent professional guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you had on Monday <clears throat> hundreds of people in the Capitol protesting this guy saying he was not adamantly anti-vaccine or adamantly anti-mask mandate or anti-like uh, government, like, you know, I, I mean, am I, am I getting closer? People were upset that they did not think he was. Yeah. A, um. I, I think that, uh, I think uh, Kariff was a, a, a good person. And that's kind of going back to what I said before. Like, I think he's a very true, truly kind person and who truly wanted to help. And right. he has um, a history of working in Illinois with um, public safety, but also emergency management. Um, huh. Right. That, that area, he developed the first statewide plan for Illinois to deal with um, the flu, or I believe it was the flu. Um, and I, I think that he was a very competent person and very qualified for this position. But he, you know, uh, he said he, he very clearly stated over and over again that he was, an, he was anti a vaccine, COVID vaccine mandate. But that didn't mean he was anti vaccine. That meant that he, you know, didn't want the government to mandate or, you know, federal, especially the federal government to come in and say, you have to take this vaccine. Right. But he did encourage it. He did say, yeah. you know, this will help. Um, uh, I, I, I don't like where Missouri's numbers are right now. I would like to see them get higher through, you know, maybe education efforts or things like that, just not mandates. Yeah. But be- I, people took that to mean that he wanted a vaccine mandate. And um, 
there were also questions this week about whether or not he was pro-life. And yeah, he, I, you know, I, I thought it was pretty remarkable for a health director to be questioned on that um, publicly and for him to say, I am pro-life. And one yeah. thing that he said that I thought was incredibly um, important was that he said that being pro-life does not just mean I don't care about the health of someone after they're born. I, I want the child to, you know, I care about the public health of a child throughout their entire life or, and also, you know, an adult person. Yeah. That's what being pro-life is. And I thought that was an incredibly important thing, but you did see over a hundred people come into the Capitol ahead of his gubernatorial appointments committee, which is the hearing that they held, they held in front of um, a group of senators um, where they decide whether or not to confirm his appointment. Um, right. He had been announced by the governor in September that he would lead the health department. So he's effectively been leading the health department since September. Yeah. But um, there were more than a hundred protesters at least uh, who came to the Capitol on on Monday and who accused him of being uh, for the vaccine mandate. I think there were questions about whether he wanted to track children. Um, they accused him of not being pro-life and, and he answered all those questions. Right. A, is that like a QAnon thing? The tracking children thing? Um, this is, I don't even know. Don't, 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 the, don't answer. You don't have to answer no, that. No, <laughs> it, it, he worked in Illinois and Illinois had some like test to stay options for for schools and oh. you know i guess you can follow the path there and i'm uh, not i am not the person to answer that gosh. question because i don't <laughs> i don't know All right. um, <laughs> but they you know they had these concerns about him and i you know senator moon who is someone who i would say is a very very nice person he questioned him also likes renewable energy by the way yeah well yeah. there you go <laughs> yeah. uh, nice person so i don't yeah. mean this critically at all he um he was the one who really led the questioning during yeah. the Senate hearing right. on Monday. I think it was, I know it's like a short week. Because of the it snow, was Monday. But there's yeah. so much that's gone on this week yeah. that it's already um, <laughs> running together. Uh, he was the one who led the questioning and um, also started a filibuster on Tuesday. Um, yeah. And he, you know, we talked and he said that he just wasn't convinced. He wasn't convinced that, um, you know, on his answers about, vaccine mandates or, or, or things when it came to education, he wasn't convinced about his answer that he was pro-life and he really just did not want him to be, be the health director and he won. Um, they pulled you know, his nomination, right? They did. He started yeah. his filibuster on Tuesday. Um, he had to be confirmed by Friday. I think Friday was, is the deadline or was the yeah. deadline. Um, and there were also, you know, a slate of 15 other people who were up for appointments yeah. and who had been to that committee and the Senate had to make a decision. Um, you know, do we let, let Senator Moon continue his filibuster and uh, let these other people not be confirmed to their position or do we pull, pull him and, and say, okay, we're going to stop. We're going to confirm these 15 other people and just not confirm director yeah. Tariff. And, and that's what, ultimately that's what happened. Yeah. So he's out of a job now. He did. He officially resigned. Yep. Um, I think that there were some procedural maneuvers that the governor may or may not be able to take to keep him in the position, mm -hmm. maybe as an acting role. Got it. Uh, but there were some legal questions with what options he had. And so he officially resigned Tuesday evening. And so wow. my guess is he's probably back in Illinois with his wife. Hopefully wow. he, he beat the snowstorm.
Hopefully. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, and that's, and that's a good, I mean, cause like, you know, that's a good example of something that I think would otherwise be seen as uncontroversial because whether or not you agree with some of the statements he made or not, I, I think the agreement was that he was probably capable of that job. And yet yeah. now he isn't in that job anymore um, because that is, it was just kind of seen as a, as a political, it was kind of weaponized politically. Yeah, I, and I think that you're right. And I think there probably were some other things that went into the opposition of, of Cariff as the, as the health director, some other um, just, you know, tensions from the past that bled over. But that's a, right. that's a good example <laughs> of, you know, the conservative caucus really fighting with, with Republican leadership in, in both the Senate yeah. leadership and also the governor. This was the governor's pick, the yeah. Republican governor, Mike Parson. Um, this was he was upset pick. about it, obviously. He was very um, not thrilled. He put out a statement <laughs> Tuesday yeah. evening about the resignation and, um, you know, it said that the events that had transpired were an embarrassment to the state. Mm. Um, you know, he said, of course, I'm a Republican. I have Christian values. I am pro-life. I wouldn't appoint someone who didn't share those values that I have. Um I, you know, I believe he said something along the lines of, I, I pray that honor and integrity can be restored to the Missouri Senate. Yeah. Um, so he was, you know, I, and he also had released a statement prior to the gubernatorial appointments hearing when people were in the Capitol protesting. And, you know, you knew that there were some, conser- there were some conservative caucus senators who spoke at that that protest in that yeah. rally and was like, you know, this is my pick. He is anti-mandate. He is pro-life and just, you know, right. put out a pretty forceful statement, I thought, right ahead of the, yeah. the hearing. But it's yeah. just an example of the, the infighting with the Republicans. Yeah. The Which I'd also, I mean, this is me speaking. This is not Caitlin. This is not the Missouri Times. Uh, you know, like I know that there has been, there have been some efforts to look at the pandemic, to look at these public health measures. And I think there's been some effort to, use anger over that to delegitimize government to delegitimize public schools that's my personal opinion me at betsy yeah. Fo- representative fogel and i have talked about that on a previous podcast and i almost like feel like you know like that was great when it was getting them elected <laughs> but now when they're trying to run the state it is it's kind of continued going on to where like you could almost look at this and say is this place governable yeah, I don't think it's a, um, I don't think it's a, like, not factual to say that it's COVID especially has just become so politicized. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, 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 COVID is still a, a real thing that, that we're dealing with. And, yep. um, but I don't know that even after, if, you know, even after it does go away, even after we are over the, the, the hump with, with COVID, I don't know that it'll ever not still be talked about in politics. I don't know that it'll yeah. ever not be still politicized. You know, it's, it's become weaponized as, as on, I would say on both sides. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that, that having my boyfriend in California and he's been there for the past year, I've seen, <laughs> seen uh, other policies there that would never stand here in Missouri. And it's yeah. been so interesting to go back and forth between the two states and seeing something that, you know, if I if I go out to visit him in Los Angeles and I walk into a restaurant or a bar, I have to show that I have been vaccinated. Right. And there's like a little thing that the California Health Department did that you just put on your phone. 
Um, it's, it's in like the wallet app of your, your iPhone. Um, and so the, to me, that's like super easy and I just pull it up and show it, but Oh, that, I don't think that would ever be a thing here in Missouri. Well, yeah. I mean, there actually is a place in, in Columbia where you, it's a movie theater and you have to show proof of vaccination and, um, or proof of a negative test and you got to wear a mask. Um, I go to this movie theater a lot. I have no problem showing that stuff. But then what's funny to me, and maybe this is like where I kind of get a little annoyed with what would be called my team. Um, this, this, this theater also has a bar there um, and it's owned separately from the theater. And I went to see a movie Saturday night, had to show my Vax card, had to wear a mask the whole time I was watching this movie when I wasn't having my uh, wild cherry soda. Ooh. And yeah, I know it was like pretty randy. Um, and then I go <laughs> outside to the lobby. It's full. This bar is full of people. None of them wearing masks. None of them getting asked to, to show their vax card. And I got to walk through them. And I'm sitting there thinking, why did I have to do all this to go to the movie theater? I do think it's funny. Um, <laughs> I oh gosh, this is probably something else I'm gonna get in trouble for saying. I'm gonna um, get what I just said. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think it's interesting, like having to show your proof of vaccination and wear a mask when you walk into an establishment like a bar. And then as soon as you're inside, <laughs> there's no masks and it's like, okay, whatever. Just remember um, sitting at the table and your weight, your server is wearing a mask. Like if you're eating, you're, you're not going to make anyone sick. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I go back and forth a lot between over the past year between California and Missouri. And I, there are times that I just get confused. <laughs> and I like, yeah. I know that I was in for the month of December when the legislative session or the legislature was not in session. Um, I spent most of December in California with, with yeah. Josh and I came back and um, first session, obviously. And <laughs> I started mm. to walk into the grand and I started to pull up my phone and pull up the vaccine yeah. uh, thing on my phone. I was like, oh, wait, oh, wait, I don't need this in here. All right. And the grand is, up, uh, outside the bubble. Are you talking about the Grand Cafe there? In, yeah, in, downtown in Jefferson City. City. Yeah, good place. A, good place. Good place. Good but, food. I I actually take people there when they're like in town. It's um, I actually like. I know a lot of people complain about the restaurants in Jeff City. I actually like the restaurants. In Jeff City. I love. Yes, yeah. I. I'm gonna do a commercial for you. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> I actually love uh, O'Donohue's in Jefferson City. Oh yeah, the place is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little little farther away from downtown. Not not yeah. super far. It's not like you know across the highway or anything. It's still right. on. I think it's still on High Street or. It it is uh no it's not High Street it's uh it's um Capitol Avenue isn't it it's just off of Capitol Avenue something like that but it's it's like it's one of the downtown the streets visit. just yeah yeah it's yeah. one of those downtown streets just like down farther yeah um Capitol I think yeah really really good like it's a steak yeah. place but it's it's pretty inexpensive especially yeah. for a steak place at least I think yeah. Um, and also always good service. That's my that's my favorite restaurant in Jefferson yeah. City. Well, I know a lot of people go to Prison Brews and it's right next to that. And it's yes. as, just as far. Um, yeah, no, I, I actually, yeah, I like the I like the restaurants in Jeff City. And I think I people fairly rag on that town. Um, I don't, I I think it's a nice town um, anyway. But yeah, we'll be calling O'Donohue's for a check. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so we kind of, we kind of went on a, on a tangent there. But yeah, sorry. I, no, no, no. It's quite all right. Cause I was also, I just started thinking about the, um, 
controversy with Eric Garcetti, the mayor of LA, uh, taking yes. a picture with Gavin Newsom at the Rams 49ers game, neither one of them wearing a mask. And I think Eric Garcetti explained it by saying, I was holding my breath he in. He did. He did. That's exactly what he said. He, um, I think he, he, he had a picture with Magic Johnson as well. Oh, that's right. Asked, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But they both were there. They both, I think, at times were caught on camera some at some point in time, not wearing masks and that yeah. was the thing. But I know that um, the Super Bowl is being held at SoFi this year in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And they are, I believe, as of the latest thing that they said they're passing out and 95 masks at the mm. when you walk in and you have to wear those you can't wear your cloth or you can't wear a cloth mask okay mm-mm. so wow. they're passing those out but i went to a game at sofi last year uh the rams lions game uh-huh. um and they really didn't enforce masks um mm. <laughs> when we were there i don't, again probably don't know if i should say that um, get all the people who work at poor people who work at SoFi. You and I are both so um, fired after this. <laughs> oh God. Um, but yeah, it really wasn't like a thing. Like, you know, I, I wore it when I walked in, looked around, no one else was wearing one. And yeah. I was like, okay. Um, yeah. but I did have, you know, beverages during the game. Mm. So I guess yeah. you're safe because yeah. you're drinking and eating. So you don't have to wear your mask. Yeah. Um, well, it just reminded me, the Garcetti thing reminded me of like the whole I didn't inhale thing that Clinton, I mean, you're way too young for that. So it's still <laughs> up the whole like I, I smoked, I, I had a joint, but I didn't inhale it. <laughs> the Clinton thing back in the 90s, right? Yeah. So he's like, I didn't inhale. No, I, uh, I held my breath. So it's fine. <laughs> around this guy who, by the way, has a kind of a well known autoimmune issue. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He does. So I just this is careful this is around Magic Johnson. He's an icon. Yes, I, I love Magic Johnson. So you know. Did he play I, at the University of Michigan? No, did he play Michigan no, State? That's, oh gosh, you just you ruined my day because now I can't remember. Um I don't know. Let me look this up. Where did he play college? <laughs> I'm Googling in the corner as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Michigan State is where he played. Yeah. Michigan State. I thought so. Michigan yeah. State is awful. This is why I've blocked it from my memory because I oh, like Magic Johnson. Are they? Oh, because you're awful. Person. Yeah, okay. Yeah. When he did play for the Lakers, which I also don't like, but um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually I, don't. I, at this point, I don't know why I like him now that we've brought up Michigan State and the Lakers. I'm, uh, I, I don't suddenly know why don't like him either because he's an icon. He's a likable guy. That is true. Yes. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I mean, he seems nice enough. Um, sure. <laughs> anyway, well, okay. I got to get off of this. Um, the, the Senate. Yes. <laughs> Senate. We can, I mean, I also talk about sports with you if you want to turn Honestly, this into I, I'm terrible at sports, believe it or not. Um, I can, I, you know, you probably, I think you followed me on Twitter. I talked a lot about movies. That's my thing. That is true. I do know this yeah. about you, which um, I'm terrible with movies. So oh, you are, we should have a podcast where we talk about things that either one of us <laughs> don't know anything about and just talk yeah. over each other. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, I think people would listen to that. I think people uh, would like this podcast. Um, <laughs> I, but yeah, with the Senate, I think <laughs> something else to remember with the Senate too is so many people are running for higher office as well. Yeah, and that's um, definitely playing. You know, how right. could it not? It's definitely playing a role in in how probably they go about their business. Yeah. Well. well, let's 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 kind of look at that. Okay, so Eric Burleson's running for Congress. Mike Moon is running for Congress in mm-hmm. Southwest Missouri. Same seat, um, same congressional seat. That's right. Uh, Dave Schatz, the um, president pro tem. President pro tem. I was, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna say president, but that's not right of the Senate. Um, yeah, he's running for, he's running for U.S. Senate. Yes. 
Uh, Rick Bratton is running for Congress as well in the fourth, in the fourth which is kind of like Western Missouri, Central Missouri. It's where I am. It's where my family mm -hmm. farm is. It's a pretty big district. Um, and um, and I know Bob Onder. You know what? One of the accusations with with Senator Onder is like he's trying to get a congressional district drawn so he can run there. Yeah, um, he's from St. Charles, and um, yeah. Yeah, because that's, that's the other thing too is they've got this big fight okay so this year um we just had a census in 2020 every 10 years we're going to redraw the house maps the senate maps and the congressional maps and there's a congressional map that the senate is supposed to pass i mean by the way people are signing up for congressional uh races in less than a month from when we record this and there's no map approved because there are senators who want a more republican leaning map Mm -hmm. right yep that's the big fight um yeah the map should be up in the senate next week i would expect it on oh. monday um i was told that a map will pass out of the senate next week i don't know what it looks like at this point um at you, think it'll, point, you think there's a version that'll pass I, I think that there are concessions to be made and i think that there were some concessions made that that ended um last week session ended yeah. without like a really i had expected a really big filibuster um i believe it was wednesday night right. last week right and i drank so much caffeine <laughs> and then they came in and they're like we're not going to do it tonight we're going to take it up monday which would have been this monday um and it'll be fine and i was like okay so um i went home and i was just awake all night and was like thanks oh, guys no. thanks guys uh but no i <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think that there have been some deals made, maybe changing the first district, which is um, currently held by Cory Bush a little bit. Um, the the congresswoman from the first district, which mm -hmm. is kind of a like kind of a federal like that's that's a district kind of protected by federal law, it is. where there's a there's enough African American representation there that they can't really mess with that map too much. They can't. Um, and I do know Democrats had wanted the, the so currently the map that passed out of the House is considered a 6-2 map, which means that yeah. it favors Repu six Republican districts, two Democrat districts. Um, and I, I know that Democrats kind of wanted to see the first change a little bit. Um, it, it is BRA protected. And I think looking at the trends of how people are moving and migrating in the first district, they wanted to see it go a little bit more northwest, I believe, or yeah. just a little bit north, maybe, yeah, northwest. Um, and so that it keeps up with the trends of where people are moving to, to make sure that it stays a minority majority district. Right. Um, yeah. And there were a couple other, obviously, because it's, again, this is something that it's conservative caucus versus everyone else. Um, there, I think there might have been a little bit more concessions made to some of the Republican districts, but I don't think that a deal was on the table for a 7 1 map, which is what the conservative caucus really wants. Yeah. Which, I mean, just says what you need to know about gerrymandering is that we are making these to where it's a foregone conclusion what they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, that that's a different issue. I mean, and, and I think, um, but ultimately the fact that that hasn't passed, nothing has passed out of the Senate. And what I learned on Tuesday was only two bills have passed out of the house mm -hmm. of representatives there's a big so agriculture bill that passed out of the, the house last week but yeah i mean 
yeah, there's nothing really that's that's come out of the Senate. I I'm told the redistricting bill should come out next week. Right. Um, and then maybe that will open the floodgates to to other issues that are kind right. of being held up. But I, you know, I feel like until we get this redistricting bill out, nothing is going to get out. Yeah. But then once you get that done, you have to deal with there's going to be some pretty uh, significant abortion legislation that's been proposed. You've got this kind of critical race theory stuff that's mm-hmm. taking up a lot of attention. Okay. You've got, yeah. Election integrity is a huge issue. Um, Ele- yeah, election reform. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. School choice. I mean, the point being, I think for my listeners is don't hold your breath for anything energy related. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that. <laughs> and just being over there and like talking to people, I, you know, I can't say that I've heard a lot about energy. Oh. I have heard more about election issues or um, election issues and education, I think, are the no. big, the two big right. things aside from redistricting and obviously the budget. Um, you know, the governor in his state of the state address really implored the legislature to, to uh, give pay raises to both teachers and uh, state employees. Yeah. And I just don't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> That's happening. I, if I were them, I would not like my chances of getting that raise. Um, you know, I would just plan for the worst and yeah. hope for the best. Yeah. And I mean, you, you say like, uh, you know, I think, I don't know if you said this on mic or off mic, but like, you know, maybe, you know, if people were like looking for legislation changes, maybe to wait till next year. But then I think that all of this stuff is, I mean, you know, I don't know the personalities there, the, the people who get elected to these um, some of these seats. I mean, are they ever going to really like be super productive? Do they want to be super productive? Because I think there's like some effort to not pass a lot of laws. For some yeah. Reason. I mean, that's fair. I, I think that next year, maybe redistricting will be done. Obviously, um, right. you know, like we talked earlier, half the conservative caucus, it feels like is running for Congress or something, yeah. um, maybe they, you know, they won't be doing that next year. Um, so <laughs> maybe I, not. Yeah. I, yeah. I, at this point, who knows? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I did joke about that. I, I don't know. I, I've learned, and this is what I've told people. I've learned not to try to predict what's going to happen in the Capitol yeah. building yeah. because whenever I do, it's going to be wrong. So. Yeah. I mean, part of like, yeah, because I, I kind of engage with that for Renew Missouri. I'm down there lobbying and working with a contract lobbyist. And so I have to kind of tell people what I think will happen. But I mm-hmm. mean, it's always amazing when you tell some, somebody something, you're going to be like, I also think this could be completely wrong. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually learned that. So my, my very like first political reporting job um, was during the 2016 election. And I mostly covered Trump. And um, that was mostly because no one thought he could win. And it was my first presidential election. So they put the new kid on <laughs> Trump's campaign. And I mean, I who would ever quickly, elect that guy, right? <laughs> I very quickly learned not, yeah. to, not to predict anything that, yeah. that would happen with that election or, or that he would even say or do. And, you know, that's made my life a lot easier. I'm like, well, <laughs> uh, you wait and see. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. We are in um 
We're in a really fascinating time politically. Uh, I don't necessarily say that as a good thing. Um, it'd probably be more fun kind of documenting it and reporting on it than like- Oh having, yeah, I'm having a great time. <laughs> you know, Philip and I here, we are working on some legislation at the federal level that we've talked about on here and that was in Build Back Better and you know, we literally, we just literally had news this week. Um, and I think this is public news now that, you know, there's a 50, 50, uh, you know, majority for this, for the Democrats in the U S Senate, uh, because, uh, Kamala Harris is, um, a tiebreaker, but, uh, a Senator from New Mexico, uh, Lujan, Senator Lujan had a stroke and is going to be out for four to six weeks and they don't have a majority anymore. Theoretically. Yeah. So yeah, I was, I was glad to see that he's coming back. Um, you know, yeah. I, I was, I was actually really worried when I saw that he had had a stroke and it was, I was pretty impressed that I think he said yesterday that it would be four to six weeks um, and he'll be back. And I was like, if that was me, I would stay home. Oh, I know. So. Well, he, well, he's a younger, I mean, like for he's 49. I mean, he's older than any of us, but still that that's pretty young to have a stroke. It is. It is. Uh, um, I, that was terrifying seeing that, but yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see from a humanity point that he's coming back. And, um, but yeah, you, I guess not you, but Democrats do kind of don't have the edge that they had beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, certainly when you're talking about uh, renewable energy issues, climate issues at the federal level, you know, having the Democrats in charge is a little easier to, to affect things um, just because that's just how it is. And that is, again, something we would love very much in this group like to change. Like, I think there is a lot of, you know, conservative arguments for this, a lot of Republican arguments for this, but it is one of those things that has just like everything else, like COVID, like masks, like anything has just, you've been able to turn it into a political issue that it becomes very, you know, like my team versus your team. And if your team likes it, I don't. And therefore it must be bad. Um, and that's kind of where we are right now. I feel like as a country. Can I, can I turn this around and ask you a question on your own Please. podcast? Yeah, <laughs> what, if there was one bill that you would want to see come out of the Missouri, Missouri legislature this year, when it comes to renewable energy, hmm. what would it be? Well, it's a bill we've actually worked on a couple of years uh, that was filed by Senator Bill White, Republican from Joplin, not exactly a tree hugger, but it's a bill that would allow for community solar to be allowed in Missouri, which is basically this idea that you could subscribe to a solar array, like if you couldn't have it on your house, like if you couldn't put it on your rooftop or your, you know, the top of your business, you could subscribe to this and pay a private company, or you could like put it up yourself and sell this power. And that would mean to me, I think that would be a very big deal. And that would like add some competition to the energy market here, which I think is something that, you know, a lot of conservatives would like. Um, Although a lot of conservatives who get campaign contributions from (laughs) utility companies don't seem to like that as much. Um, But uh, that would be the bill that I'm, I'm rooting for. This is a community solar bill. Awesome. Where, where is it right now? Is it, in it, a committee? Yeah, it's been assigned to the Senate Energy Committee. Uh, there's a House version of it, but not one that we helped draft. Uh, Senator, uh, no, Senator Representative Ellibrock, who's a Democrat from Kansas City, who I don't know very well, but he filed some very good renewable energy bills, but he also filed about 50 pieces of legislation. <laughs> I'm going to suspect a lot of that's not going to move. Um, but the Senate version, Senate Bill 824, is in the Senate Energy 
Uh, we're told it's going to get a hearing um, before spring break, which is substantial. And, um, you know, uh, we'll see, but that's where it is. That's where it is. So, um, you know, Senator Bill White is, you know, a, he is a conservative who sees value in, you know, energy independence for customers. And so that's somebody that we have really found to be um, great to work with, uh, great on these issues. And yeah, you know, another one, and, and I guess would be kind of one of the more mainstream Republicans in the Senate, I guess. Yeah, he's one of the ones that I I kind of alluded to earlier to when I said that the Conservative Caucus has some people that would like maybe on some issues vote with them as well. And I know he's a very staunch um, pro life person, but yes. yeah, I he is grouped within the uh, regular regular Republicans. I don't know if that's. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, call, I think I call them kind of mainstream Republicans. Yeah, I yeah. I don't think they're moderate by any stretch of the imagination. Um, no. and it, it reminds me a little bit because I am much older than you and Philip. When I worked in Kansas, I worked in the Kansas Senate about 20 years ago Ooh. when I was in law school there because I went to a, I went to a basketball school there, Caitlin, in Kansas. I'm, I'm, not, I'm learning this. Not watching. Things I'm learning after you, <laughs> you coerced me into joining your podcast. <laughs> oh, this has been fun, right? I no, mean, this is great. You're going to get in trouble, but it's been fun. Um, <laughs> so I worked in the Kansas Senate. And back then um, you had, I mean, there are 40 senators and there were like 10 Democrats. And I worked, I worked for a Democrat over there. But the thing is like about half the Republicans were like what you call moderate Republicans. They were from suburbs. Uh, they were like Johnson County from Wichita. Um, and they, and even Lawrence, Kansas at the time, which is super liberal, had a Republican state senator. And um they tended to group together with the 10 Democrats and they had a majority. So like the really conservative Republicans were always fighting the moderates and the Democrats. And I'll tell you, I think that's where it's going here. I think that's what you're going to have here eventually. So Maybe. you're used to this is what you're saying. Well, I, I will tell you, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was not I was not lobbying in that capacity, but I was I was I was um, I was I guess technically they kind of made me the clerk of the Judiciary Committee for the Senate. And the only reason I got to do that was because there were a bunch of moderate Republicans on there who liked me and, and liked some of the stuff I was working on for this other member. And um, so I got to just write research and that sort of thing. It was actually kind of a fun job. Um uh, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, what I, what I also found, I learned there is that, you know, whether or not I was working for a Democrat or not, there were a lot of Republicans who saw eye to eye with us on things. And you should, if you're trying to get things done, which I think is ultimately the purpose of governance, you, you should work with people wanting to have that goal in mind. <laughs> sure. And um, yeah, so I, yeah, so that, that to me, like, and of course that changed a little bit in 2010 in Kansas you had Sam Brownback get elected to governor there, and he had backed a lot of really hardcore conservative lawmakers against these moderate Republicans, got them beat, which, by the way, um, Kansas doesn't have term limits like Missouri does. So, you know, whereas Missouri, there's kind of a national natural attrition. You know, there are people that are in the legislature in Kansas now that were there when I was there. You know, what are what are your thoughts on term limits? Having seen both sides, um, having been in Kansas and then seeing here in Missouri where we do have term limits in the, in the state house, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, my personal opinion is, and I know that there's a lot of disagreement on this, I think it just basically allows the lobbyists and staff to run that building as opposed to the lawmakers. Um, I think that's who runs that building. <laughs> 
I mean, I think, I think when, when you've got the governor of the state, and this is, I know this is a little old news, this is last year, and I really wanted to ask you about this, because this is really fascinating to me. You have the governor of the state calling out a staff member in the speaker's office about something in a letter. We, we I mean, I don't know that that's old news, because we saw that this year. Um, oh, I guess that has happened this year, too. Um, yeah, I, the conservative caucus um, in redistricting. Yes. Um, yeah, that's right. They... I, I joke that this is the year of proposed rule changes because that's what's <laughs> I had I, I I don't know if I updated it recently, but I had like a little listicle on the Missouri Times website of um, all the rule changes that have been proposed, and it's mostly from Senator Eigel or Hoskins, both of whom are members of the Conservative Caucus, and yeah. um, the only one that's been successful was actually from Senator Rizzo, who's a Democrat from Kansas City, changing the PQ rules. Right, but uh, we saw. Again, I this is what happens during session. I don't know what day it is or what I don't know time <laughs> anymore. I believe it was last week. Um, there you know, was some a rule change proposal and some discussion about staff members working in Republican leadership offices, yeah. um, and how they might have worked previously or had connections to um, consulting or lobbying firms and. Um, weren't thrilled that they were working on on redistricting issues yeah. and that was kind of a big deal that it, it i don't know that it got reported a lot i know that we did a story on it um, I, I i it was it was no i mean i i follow this stuff probably a little more closely than some people but i i it really did catch it really caused my eyebrows yeah because that's that's so unusual usually yeah. you know staff and family are kind of off limits when it comes to um yeah. debate right. on the floor but uh so I know, I mean, I don't think it's old news. I think that was a, yeah. I mean, that's something we just recently saw was staff being called out and called out by name um, mm -hmm. for their prior, prior employment. Yeah. And that was something that uh, previously I would not have said that I would ever think would happen. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem you got in Missouri now on the flip side of that, because you asked me what, if I think terminals mm -hmm. are bad, I think that's bad. I also think that in Kansas, you have people who, get there from to be there a long time stop caring about this stuff and they just become sort of there and mm -hmm. you know as an example pre-term limits here in missouri um and maybe this is an example where this can work um I, I had a boss who beat a guy who had been in his house seat for 28 years mm. he had been in there since the early 60s and got beat in the early 90s now um, would term limits have gotten rid of that guy because he was pretty useless? Yeah, but I mean, eventually someone beat him. Um, but <laughs> it can be done. <laughs> it can be done. I mean, I also see where that is. You you get people in there who are bad at it. They stay, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I think there's going to be bad people. If you've got bad people that are going to be there for eight years, you got bad people that are going to be there for twenty eight years. So you know. Yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah, um, I'm unpopular in this because I would just argue both sides <laughs> but I was curious having having seen you know the Kansas side and the Missouri side what your, yeah. your thoughts were my answer has become because I've gotten to be so old and become like I don't really like have a good bead on anything anymore is like my answer is if you change anything you change anything expect there's going to be good things and bad things to result from that that you might the bad things might become so bad you gotta change it again I feel like this is like Newton's laws of physics, yeah. yet uh, yeah. it's James's laws of politics. Yeah. Cause is going to lead to effect, and that effect is going to lead to more cause and so on. So 
my answer is you change something, be prepared for some of that to be very bad. So, you know. Great life lesson. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I could share that with everybody. <laughs> um, Caitlin, I gotta say, like, I know when we were way over. <laughs> I was just, I was just looking at the time and I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> I told you this was going to take 35 minutes. And I think we've been talking for an hour now. I, I gotta tell you, I could, I could maybe do this podcast with you every week if this we don't fun. get fired uh, from this. Uh- <laughs> I would absolutely love to join you again. Okay. Um, I promise not to put your emails in my spam folder anymore. Tell uh, tell Scott, I'm sorry if I made you say something that he doesn't like. Um, no, I'm sure no. it's fine. I was more worried that Josh, my boyfriend, would be mad that I uh, oh. <laughs> called him out for her. No. I, always um, saying both sides. You you tell him that it's 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 all going to be okay. You. you <laughs> You know, I, but I did, I started, I got to start getting to think like, oh my gosh, we sound like Bill Maher and Barry Weiss here, like on some of this stuff. And like, oh, everyone's mad at them, but I hope not, <laughs> they're not going to be mad at us. Um, but yeah, I don't I think still- I, I don't think I uh, said I was tired of COVID or okay. whatever it was. I, at least I hope that's not what anyone no. took from this. <laughs> no. Still, do whatever no. you feel like you need to do to protect yourselves and be healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so if you want to learn more about Missouri Times or read your coverage, where can they go for that? Yeah, it's just themissouritimes.com. Pretty yeah. straightforward. Um, or Twitter. On, I tweet a lot. You tweet a lot, but Missouri Times is also on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the Missouri Times. Or yeah, I think uh, it's Missouri Times without the but Yeah. And you also have This Week in Missouri Politics, which is a TV do. show. It is. Yeah. Um, I actually, because of the snow, would plug who the featured guest is, but I don't know because of mm-hmm. the snow if that has changed. So I'm not going to plug the featured guest for this week yeah. because I would be wrong probably. Yeah, um, I was yeah, on there a long. I was on there a long time ago as a panelist, and I haven't been on there. Ah. Since. Oh, whoopsies. I'll, I'll make no, sure. No, 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 it's okay. I <laughs> I think it's because I said something about Josh Holly being lazy, and Greg Keller was there, so I've probably been banned. I don't um, think so. I honestly, no, I don't think so. Um, but I, I do want to go back and watch that conversation now. Um, well, I was, I, mainly I was on there talking about, oh, we're going way over. I, you know, because I used to be, I, well, I used to be public counsel for the state of Missouri. I used to be the right payer advocate for the oh, state. Cool. Which, by the way, I should know, know, Missouri Times is like one of the only, and if not maybe the only, a publication in this state that actually like regularly covers PSC meetings and things like that. Which we is, are, I would say we are the only, I don't know of any other one. And that's not yeah. just me being like bragging or tooting no. around horn. I just, I truly don't know of anyone that regularly covers it. Yeah. I mean, I know the, the post-dispatch a long time ago, you used to have a reporter who would sit down on the rate cases, which is that covered his law. I mean, I wish somebody was doing that because that was that you go back and read some of those articles. Those were really helpful. But, um, you know, but yeah, no one is doing it except for you guys, I've noticed, mm-hmm. um, which is which is good. Uh, but I was on there, I think I was on there mainly talking about the fact that it was back when like the tax cuts went through, um, Trump signed the tra- tax cuts, and there was a big thing about how the utilities were going to give some of that money back because they kind of estimated taxes in their rates. Huh. And so that would re- 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 kind of go into a rate reduction. So I kind of spent a lot of time talking about that. That's uh, that's why I was there, I think. But um, yeah, it's fun. You guys, I think you guys do a good job of covering the state. So thank you. I do try. I never sleep. So if anyone ever has <laughs> any questions about Missouri politics, please email me or tweet to me and I will uh, answer your question probably at like 3 a.m. Because yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> Anyone else out there who can't sleep and needs, has yeah. a question about Missouri, I'm here yeah. for you. 
All right. So uh, they may take you up from that. Um, <laughs> Caitlin, again, thank you. Yeah, this was, I mean, truly, this was really like a lot of fun. Um, uh, Caitlin Schallhorn. That's it. You're getting the hang of it. I'm getting the hang of it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and for all of you, thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, uh, subscribe to us on all major uh, podcast platforms, write a review, share this on your social media. And uh, on behalf of Renew Missouri and Philip Frasica and everyone here, I want to thank you all for your support. And uh, in the meantime, until we talk to you again, take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs>